By ancient tradition, dead heroes and rulers were placed here so their spirits may look down upon the great city they had served. And according to popular notion, they would rise to aid Durassus should a calamity overtake her. The visitor had no faith in such tales. If the deceased had such power, Nalara would long since have drifted from his tomb. For the Killing of Kings, The Ringsworn Trilogy, Book 1, Howard Andrew Jones. Hello, and welcome to a happy May podcast, a happy May episode of Rogues in the House, and happy May to my wonderful co-hosts, Matthew and Logan. How you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm alive. If if I may say so, uh, I am doing just fine, Alex. That is that's good to hear. That is good, good, good. I start with brutal, brutal comedy, and then you know, I bring out I bring out the top shelf material later. Yeah, that's right? good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, Absolutely, I'm glad it gets better from there. Yeah. Um, we are actually sitting here with a very, very special guest today. Very, very. Not a very, 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 but just very, very, right? We don't want to overdo it here. Uh, but Careful. we actually uh, have, uh, yep. Our, 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 our guest is an editor, and if you're trying to put very, very in there, he is going to hammer you. That's right. That's right. Well, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately I, I'm not a writer, so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's you guys who have to be worried. Uh, we, are, so we are hanging out here with Howard Andrew Jones today. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, normally, should we just hop right into our Bizarre of the Bizarre? Normally we banter a little bit, but I've, I managed to kill that somehow. So do we just no. get right in? All the May puns. Yep. I mean, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And no one no one really tunes in for that, I feel. <laughs> so let's, I, let's I, see. Yeah, we'll... I disagree. I think they're all here for dad jokes and bad puns. Are you getting are you getting uh, e fan mail that like I've not been privy to? Oh, no, I don't get I don't, I don't get the fan mail you guys do. <laughs> no, I, I don't get fan mail. Okay, no. yeah. Bizarre the bizarre. Uh, Wayne's World intro. Doodly -doo, doodly -doo, doodly -doo. Very nice. And there we go. I'll go first because I think mine is probably going to be uh, pretty quick. Do uh, it. I'm going, I'm going around the uh, the animation horn today. Um, I see my, my, my friends here cracking smiles already. Uh, I just need to kind of touch base on a couple of things that I've been watching. So okay. I finished on uh, Netflix the, um, I think it's the Dota Defense of the Ancients, right? Um, they put out a, uh, an animation through Netflix, uh, fantasy-based, of course. Uh, I thought it was actually really good. Um, Although I, I'm apparently stupid because I can't, I couldn't really keep straight which group was worshiping which deity uh, in the storyline for whatever reason, and I don't know, like it, it just lost me here and there um, a little bit. Uh, You're just getting old, man. I think I'm just getting old, but I really did old, old enjoy dude it. viewing. Yeah, I, it was definitely, and and it was like a sporadic viewing as well. So like I went back after you know like a week uh, of not watching. And I know, and you don't. Who does that in Netflix days, right? Um, but I, I, you know, a week of a break, uh, and I was like, "What are these names? I don't remember what's going on." Um, but it was good. It was it was it was a pretty good um, animation. I, won't, I don't want to say. I actually, had no idea that existed. I haven't seen yep. it on Netflix. I haven't seen anything. I, I don't. I know very little about it. I know the game was a mod for like what Warcraft Three, the strategy game. 
yeah, I think like, it, it became its own thing, maybe. Engine. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know anything about the game or anything. I just, yeah, I, like, I've just seen it as kids. Fantasy but, animation. Know. It was in my wheelhouse. I watched it, so no, I, I dug sure. it. Um, the the other one that I watched uh, was sort of the the six episode arc on Netflix called uh, I think it was Yasuke, uh, which is a um, a a um, feudal Japan setting. Um, you guys will laugh. Uh, I thought it was a more of a, a, a historical, um, you know, historical fiction sort of thing. And then I saw the mechs. And, oh my, my <laughs> and I, and I thought of you guys immediately and I was, and I like, I'm good with it. I can handle that stuff, but yeah, yeah. I know you guys would have been like, click <laughs> time to turn that so, off. <laughs> I take it. That's not the one about the black samurai. That is the one about the black samurai. Yes. The African oh. samurai. Yes. And, so, and yeah, I was under the impression that was also, uh, historically based. I, it, it, had a little bit of, I mean, we're going to say historical fiction and we're going to lean heavily on the fiction side of, the, of that. Um, there's, it's definitely, um, you know, it it, it it has some supernatural to it. Um, mechs are definitely powered by uh, various arcane type ideas. Okay. Um, it, it's kind of right. cool. It, I liked it a lot, actually. I You're bringing me back. You're bringing me back. In. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's definitely rooted in sort of like a magic, and magic is sort of a mutant um, ability, sort of in some mm-hmm. ways. So, but it was it was good. It's a good six um, six episode arc. It doesn't take long to watch. I mean, it's really you're talking like three hours tops. Um, I feel like I saw some good reviews for that, and and I will throw my hat in as well. I was looking at it; it seemed like it was presented as a historical, like a, it, an adaptation I of an existing story. I th- Think the presentation kind of does not capture exactly where it goes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so that dude was a real guy. Uh, he was a real person, and like one of the first foreign samurai or first foreign people accepted into like the samurai code or whatever uh, and I, him and there was a pirate yeah pirate i mean that got that's the i think that's the extent of it i think they use real names real ideas um and then it sort of goes in its own direction it's certainly good sure. like wor- worth worth the yeah. watch um and then the last thing i'll say real quick uh castlevania new season comes oh, out yeah. in like a couple of days and we've been pretty awesome about that in the past maybe we'll talk about that in the future fourth and final Last one. Fourth and final. You're right. Yep. Yeah. 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 All right. That's me. All right. Uh, that's clean. Okay. Mechs, histor- mechs are historical is what I just learned from there. Historical Japan yep. is the origins of battle mechs. It's, the, fi- <laughs> it's the fiction part of the historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus from Jaws. What do you, uh, what do you get? <laughs> Howard, I don't know if you know this, but I he looks like uh, you know Richard Dreyfus from Jaws, especially if he's got his beard so, going and his, um, his hair's a little curly. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Logan, yeah, go ahead. I get that a lot. That actually was going to be my Halloween costume, but it it Halloween didn't work out because COVID. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I don't do Kickstarters very often, but um, mm. I did do a Kickstarter recently for an RPG. Um, and I don't play RPGs very often because I don't have the friend base. But it was a good project. It's called Broken Compass. 
and it's by an Italian company called Two Little Mice, and it's um, I, I, I want to say rules light, but Alex is going to be like, it's got more than one page, so it's not rules light. But uh, it's fairly simple, <laughs> kind of like Savage Worlds level. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, focused on like getting that feeling of like an Indiana Jones treasure hunt kind of stuff. Um, it's got like the mummy influence. Like you look through the book, the books are like leather bound journals, like an Indiana Jones journal. Um, I got like dice. Physi- physical got books? Production's awesome. Yeah, physical books. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Very, yeah. very high production value. Sounds very Logan, um, actually. In, yeah, it's very yeah. me. Yeah. In a few days, they're doing another Kickstarter for another series of supplements. Um, and one of them is like pirate themed, like Pirates of the Caribbean themed, which um, is sword and sorcery adjacent. Um, you can also get the original um, like rule books and stuff. There's also another one that's like inspired by Jules Verne um, and. Uh, like Captain Nemo and that kind of stuff. So there you get two extra seasons. That's what they call campaigns. Um, so there's the 1999 season, the 1930s season, the Pirates, and the Jules Verne one. And and yeah, it's it's good stuff. Like you like that kind of thing. Um, there's all they're adding in like uh, how to use this system for other genres that we're not providing as well. So like I think. If you wanted to find something that's like action packed and also fairly easy to learn, it's a good alternative. And then the production value is great. They got a good little community too. So, um, Broken Compass, Two Little Mice, um, that would be my suggestion to check out if you're into that kind of stuff. Rad. That sounds like good RPG fodder for sure. Um, let's let's let Howard go next if you've got something there, sir, and then uh, I'll cap us off. Sure. Well, I finally have some spare time to be reading things. Uh, well, when I say reading things, I have been buried by submission for Tales from the Magician's Skull for a couple of months. And so I've only crawled out from under that pile in just the last couple of days. And uh, I've been reading some stuff for fun, one of which is uh, Jason Ray Carney's uh, Rake Fire, which I've read some good things about. And so far, so good. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, that's a sword and sorcery collection. And then the other thing I'm reading is uh, uh, some hard-boiled detective fiction of Dash Hammett. Of course, Hammett's best known as one of the foundational writers of detective fiction. Uh, Sam Spade, Maltese Maltese Falcon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never read the Continental Ops stories before. I'd read one or two, but this is a complete collection I picked up. It's an omnibus edition you can get with all of them. For years, the, uh, the stories were tied up. And some weren't available through this publisher. Some weren't available. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now they're all available. I picked it up a year or two ago, and I'm finally working my way through it. And it's interesting, I think, to readers who are more used to Sword and Sorcery because uh, Robert E. Howard himself was something of a hard-boiled writer. Mm. And you can see a lot of his stylistic things are taken from this period because he was part of this period. Uh, and so a lot of these characters from par- parallel or related or even, I don't know if you can say detective genre is related, but it's uh, parallel. You've got a hero going into action, trying to uncover problems and uh, come up with a solution, and it's an action tale. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. It's clean and spare and, and well-written and very intelligent. Uh, you don't have, you don't have, 
plot stupid all the time. You've got uh, wonderful, intricate plots, but that aren't so uh, convoluted you trip over them. They all make sense in the end. It's just mm. having a great time. I've only read uh, Maltese Falcon of his, um, but I mean, I felt the same way. It, the the writing is great. It's actually one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite movies, actually, as well. Um, but I love me some some hard boiled detective. I do um, like the movie. Yeah, that's a fun movie. That's a good movie. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'll finish us off. I'm walking around this bazaar here and. Uh, I don't know if you've been on Facebook over the last couple of days, but they well they announced yesterday that uh, they cast Red Sonia, Sonia with a J that is. Um, so <laughs> I have to comment just slightly on the um, reaction and fallout that I've seen. Uh, like whoa! Hold on one second. <laughs> I have to interrupt. Internet, yeah. internet, put your seatbelt on. Okay, continue. <laughs> No, no, I'll be good. Uh, I just, you know, it's funny. I remember when, like, um, and the reason I even bring it up, it's not like I'm not a huge Red Sonja fan. I, I don't quite care what happens with it. Um, but this is a show about sword and sorcery, which Agreed. often leans into sword and sorcery and pop culture. And so a Red Sonja movie is a big deal. Um, and so this one's been trying to get off the ground for a while. And typically speaking, a movie isn't happening until you've cast somebody. And in this case, they've got a writer, they've got a director, they've got producers, and they've got their lead. So it, uh, her, her name is Hannah John Kamen. Um, she is somebody who her, her parents were Norwegian and Nigerian. And you see this announcement, you see a picture of this lady. She looks like she's, she's like pretty strong, ready to go. And I think, all right, that's cool. <laughs> the, I don't know. Facebook did not quite think so. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I blocked a lot of people because I just, some of the comments people were writing were like just kind of mind-blowing to me. There, there's a way to, to disagree with a casting choice, right? I would suggest maybe waiting until you see some kind of proof in the pudding. But that's fine. You know, we're nerds and we react strongly. But like suddenly everyone's talking about how it's wrong historically. And I'm like, well, I mean, Red Sonia's like, she's like an adaptation uh, already, right? She's already plucked from, you know, Shadow of the Vulture. Yeah. And, uh, mutated into a, a bathing suit wearing heroine. Right. And like, if you, if you think that's going to happen in the movie, it's not going to happen in the movie in 2021. You're not going to have a... A lady in a bathing suit fighting bad guys. It's not going to happen. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. No, and, and, and there, was, there was a lot of, like, red hair lives matter stuff. Like, as if the only person you can cast in a movie is someone who was born red-haired. Like, wigs and hair dye do yeah, not exist. I saw that, I, too. That was I weird. Just, yeah, like, I... Uh, anyways, it, it, you know, casting announcements, I can get all riled up, too. But some of the points in the resistance... We're on things that I was just, maybe I wasn't surprised, but I still ultimately was. And I just, like, my jaw was on the floor a couple times with just certain things I've read. In short, um, the, the other side of the coin is a lot of fandom has seen her um, act in a bunch of things I haven't seen. I've only seen her in the uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. That's right. And she, she was the, the ghost. 
Yeah, right. Which was a gender swap too, yeah. right? Um, but I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think so. I'm not totally attached to and, whatever and. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in any case, um, but it sounds like she's got some good, not just acting chops, but action chops too. Um, and I feel like I will give that person a chance on this property. I don't really care too much about, but I had to bring it up because in my orbit, you know, I run a Conan RPG group or sorry, Conan gaming group. And then I also see all these other Howard groups. It was a huge conversation. Um, and man, if you were paying attention at all, there was some, some interesting stuff there. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into the details. I oh, just internet. was like, no internet. You guys, yeah, well, you guys are the like, best. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh. just a nerd freak out like I hadn't seen in a long time. Is all. And I mean, I'm a nerd, and I like freaking out too. But wow, like <laughs> hold on to your butts. <laughs> so uh, all the best to that team. I hope it's interesting, and uh, I hope that it ends up, um, you know, being something that changes people's minds. Maybe. Well, it's good. I mean, and with that, it being good. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just. If it's good, it's good for, you know, it's how we keep getting paychecks here. Yeah. For for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the non-existent paycheck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we're ro- we're rolling in. Yep. We don't even have a Patreon account. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, with that, why don't we actually really? Get yeah, let's into... get to let's get to the goods here. The people have been waiting for our uh, That's right. not us for our our guest, and uh, we we're going to shut up for a while and let Howard uh, run this show. But don't worry, we will prompt you with questions, sir. That's good. <laughs> so Alex, do you want me just to go for it? Um okay, cool. So Howard is uh Howard and Jones has uh he's uh he's got a lot of he wears a lot of hats, I think. Um not a farmer, I've learned. Uh <laughs> I was told uh no, he's a man who has some animals around, which I can relate to as well. I've got many animals living in my home. So, but for real, he is the author of the Chronicles of Sword and Sand, uh, of which I've read some and quite enjoyed. The Ring Sworn Trilogy. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, several Pathfinder novels, which is a whole other conversation I feel like I could talk about for a long time. Um, served as managing editor of Blackgate Magazine. And if you've not heard of Blackgate Magazine and you've listened to this show, I find that shocking. Um, he edited Bison Books' collection of Harold Lamb's historicals for the University of Nebraska Press. Logan, aren't you from Nebraska originally? I actually, I actually graduated from the University of Nebraska. I have those books. Yeah, what a what a connection. Uh, and most recently, uh, he's been, as he said, buried under a pile of submissions for Tales from the Magician's Skull which is quite possibly the coolest mag of its kind on the market. So, Howard, uh, I'm going to just hand it over and just take a minute and tell us what it is you're working on now, what is cool in your world, what's going on. Well, uh, I have been working really hard on the submissions to Tales from the Magician's Skull, uh, along with our loyal interns, those few who survived the process. Um, we've, uh, we've found some wonderful stories and we've asked for some revisions on some promising stories and 
think we're about done. I have a few more revisions that have uh, revisions I requested that have uh, come back in, uh, and a few I'm still waiting on. But uh, we're nearly ready to wrap that up. In the meantime, issue six is in layout. Uh, issue seven is uh, just about ready. I need to write up an editorial, and uh, we have to make some final decisions on all the good things that we found, whether or not we want to buy all of it or um, just some of it. So Joseph and I are going to have to be making some uh, very careful decisions before we present everything to the skull. And who knows what he'll say in the end. <laughs> um, but when I'm not doing that, I just turned over book three of the Ringsworn trilogy. And it is a trilogy, so that is the third and final book. And when I say I just turned it over, I actually just turned it over months and months and months ago. But it's come back to me first from the copy editor. And then it came back to me a final time from the proofreader. So now it's, it's really over. The next time I see it, it will between, be between covers. But publishing moves at the speed of slow. So that means that it uh, won't be available to read until sometime in August. Okay. okay. So that's, that's out of my hair for a while. And uh, you'll probably see me all over the interwebs uh, promoting it here in just a little bit. But it's a little too early for that. In the meantime, I'm working on a, uh, on a new project starring uh, uh, one of my favorite characters I've ever had the opportunity to write, and that's the, uh, uh, the Hanavar stories. And so I'm working on a whole, uh, a whole bunch of those uh, with an eye towards uh, making it into a serial novel. Wow. Nice. Okay. Uh, and you have a short story popping up in, is it Lightspeed magazine? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got one coming out in Lightspeed. I think it's already out. It's it's the May issue. Yeah. So mm. yeah, if you're you're a fan of my uh, old Arabian fantasy stories, uh, swashbuckling sort of cross Sinbad sort of cross with I don't know Sherlock Holmes and Watson, or uh, Indiana Jones cross with the Arabian Nights. Anyway, that's the beer and the scene. And I've got a new one of theirs appearing in Lightspeed magazine. And I've got another one coming out uh, at the end of the year in uh, When Worlds Collide. It's an anthology. Uh, and I've got another short story that's uh, just been released in the uh, Tales of, uh, what was that, Tales of Old Soul. It's, uh, it was put out by uh, uh, Jason's, uh, Jason's in Rogue Blade Entertainment. Yeah, Entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Scott Odin's brainchild, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looks like a very cool, uh, a very cool mag. It's something that was gestating for a very long time. I yeah, was- I- I, I had two thirds of that thing written, and then uh, the project got put on hold, and so I didn't finish the story until it came back to me a couple of years later. It's like, man, I have no idea how I was going. Yeah, and hopefully it's uh, hopefully it still makes sense. Oh, I'm sure it's rad. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I talked to a couple of folks who were involved with that, and they were all just sort of like, "Whoa, it just kind of showed up. There it is. We're all excited." And I don't know. That that was kind of a it was a good Facebook news story where I saw people kind of glowing about that release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, see, that's another thing is that I've, I would have had access to read those stories for a while now, but uh, I've been reading uh, millions of submissions, not millions, hundreds. hundreds <laughs> yeah. You guys were close to 500, right? It was over 500, and that doesn't even count the... Those were just the ones that came in from the transom. Some I had requested from people as well. Where do you um, do your? I, this is a random question, but I'm just curious. Where do you do your reading of the submissions? Because do you, uh, what I'm getting at is, do you read them 
casually like you might sitting on a couch or something like that? Or do you, when you're reviewing for the sake of, of, of the purpose of a magazine or something like that, are you like business and sitting at a desk to do that? Like what's, what is your mindset? What's your mindset for that? Well, I, I was concocting a ludicrous reply, but I think I'll give you an honest one. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can do both. That's fine. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll just do honest. Um, I have to be in a quiet place. And so, I mean, to, to be fair to what I'm reading, so I only ever read um, during the day uh, when I'm fully... <laughs> When I'm fully refreshed, if, if it's the end of a long day, I don't dare try to read them at night. Mm. Uh, I was usually either at my desk in my office or in some quiet corner of the house. Or um, I hire a Shakespearean actor to read to me while I'm pacing back and forth. <laughs> that's, the, that's the honest part of the response, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if it doesn't read well in that Shakespearean voice, that's it's it. straight in the trash. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Only give him a couple of quatrains and then... So that that to aspiring writers, that's your first tip. Must be readable in a, a Shakespearean tone. Yes, please. It's, 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 yes. Yeah, iambic pentameter, and it should start with the word "hark." Maybe. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not start with that. You're dead. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's so. Those are your your current projects. Um, I'm going to bust into some more sword and sorcery questions because this is, in fact, a sword and sorcery podcast. Um, in this niche little genre, what uh, what keeps you interested in coming back to this? Because this is something that's you know, uh, it's not it's not its strongest decade, I don't think. Um, but what what keeps you coming? Because we all keep coming back to it. We branch out. We see all these other genres, but this remains a nice piece of bread and butter. What is it for you that keeps you drawn to sword and sorcery? Well, there's just so many flavors of it. It's so flexible. Uh, mm. it, it has. It's if you just want to go for the surface thrills. I mean, some of the simplest uh, tales can just be a great deal of fun without without asking for too much more. It, it can be bright, and, uh, bright and bold. But then you've got stories of uh, that could be moving. It's got elements of horror. It's got elements of uh, uh, swashbuckling adventure. It's got sense of wonder. Uh, you could do so much with the genre. And that's one of the things I love about the Skulls magazine is I can pick all these different flavors of sword mm -hmm. and sorcery. It's not just, I think the generic idea back in the 70s was if it's sword and sorcery, you just have a barbarian in a fur bikini. And that's, you know, <laughs> barbarian fur bikini magazine. Like, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a side project for us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> April Fools next year. That's what we'll announce our, our new sister magazine. <laughs> Please do it. <laughs> we'll we'll edit that part out so that you can do it and uh, yeah. no one will be tipped off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I hear you. I, I always think of like you think of something like uh, Liber's uh, funnier stories, and then something dark and terrible and just terrifying like worms of the earth right and yet they all kind of converge under this banner and i, I don't know that i've ever really thought of it that way but oh yeah, matt because... and i have very different ideas about like what sort of what we want to do when we read and or write sword and sorcery and that leads mm. to some good conversations because matt you've trended towards more like from the sorcerer's perspective and delving into that like 
almost psychological stuff from time to time. And mine's mm. like sword fights. <laughs> <laughs> My most recent piece was where I, I actually changed. It's the first time I've written from like a, you know, barbarian perspective point of view. And I, I, I had said that I was sort of resisting that for a while. And then when I finally did, and I feel like I know how to write, I, I just was like, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. Why haven't I done this before? Um, okay, so next up, um, Howard, I'm interested with... Uh, so I actually met you at Gen Con, what was it, 2018? Yeah. A couple of years back. We were at a, the cabinet party um, talking Conan stuff. Me, you, and Jason Durall, and um, a couple of others. And... I Anyways, think you was standing right next to me, but you might not have uh, might not have recognized him. Who was sorry? Joseph Goodman of Goodman Games. Oh yes, the, the public, the mighty publisher. Ah. Uh, he he's the first. He is the last official last to be immolated by the skull. So oh. I am the last to be immolated. I mean, that's how highly the skull is. <laughs> <speaking this. laughs> there's there's a hierarchy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. In any case, when we were there, you kind of sold me on a copy of Magician Skull because I had remembered it. It started as a Kickstarter, and I had missed it, and then I was kind of cursing it. And then I, I ran into you at Gen Con there, and I bought the first issue, which you um, signed for me. But I'm interested, like, what is your, like, Goodman Games, the, the, the interesting thing about this is it's a sword and sorcery mag. It's got fiction, but it's also got that gaming angle where you're statting out things from uh these stories which is just a hyper cool idea yeah um how did that come about that was um that was joseph's idea joseph is a very brilliant clever and extremely handsome fellow uh, <laughs> podcast um no uh joseph's really smart and that was his baby he wanted to put those in the back. I'm like, that's a great idea. It occasionally confuses people. I will, uh, I will see reviews. People say, oh, I wish they wouldn't write uh, stories uh, um, just so they could be gameable. Or they think that we uh, write stories to be gameable or that the stories are generated somehow by the game. It's like, no, no. It's a sword sorcery magazine. After the writers write these stories, then uh, one of the guys on staff there very cleverly sorts through it and is like, oh, hey, I could do a monster from this story. This one's got a cool sword. I'll describe the sword. And then they stat it up at the back. Mm. Uh, and so we're just trying to make the stories even more relatable for gamers so they can sure. dig into stuff and see how they could maybe utilize it in their own gaming. I love Tell that. Which is a genius yeah. idea. Yep, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely love that. And, and I think, too, that, that that was my assumption, right? That the stories would come first. But it's funny yeah. you should say that. I heard someone mention the other day, Magician Skull, isn't that like a like a gaming thing? And I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, I, it's, so I think it's, it's fiction first. But I, I would say, too, Sword and Sorcery, um, I would even hazard a guess to say that it's almost... Uh, if if you took selections of people who are into sword and sorcery and other generic fantasy, I feel like the sword and sorcery folks are more inclined to gaming. Like there's almost more of a a crossover there. I have no empirical data to back that up, but 
it seems everyone I talk to about sword and sorcery has some kind of a gaming background at some point. Does that have anything to do with the fact that you run a Conan gaming group? <laughs> yeah, everyone <laughs> runs into inherently. Yeah. Wonder where that correlation came from. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if uh, I'm just reading from my own point of view here. Uh, <laughs> you you yeah. might be a little bit. Yeah. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I just think that you uh, also have a very skewed point of view. <laughs> yeah, I won't argue that. Your assertion is probably right. You've brought up a good point here, sir. Good job. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and Goodman Games also does Dungeon Crawl Classics, right? Is that would that would you say that's the... that's uh, yeah. that's Goodman's brainchild? Mm-hmm. And uh, constantly come out with cool new adventures for that and. Uh, as you can see, he, he just glories in the art. He finds these wonderful artists and encourages. Oh yeah, them. yep. Uh, yeah, and and some of those adventures are just great. Yep. If you read them, they they read like outlines for really trippy stories that you wish someone would stat up. I mean, uh, write up. Yeah, yeah. I uh, right? you know, being that, um, and I think Alex too. We're from a generation where we're familiar with Player's Handbook, Second Ed, and you know, like I I cut my teeth on D and D second ed. Um, but that black and white art, um, yep. is so rad. It's so nostalgic, right? Yep. They, they, um, they tick the boxes. I, I love going through their stuff and looking, Oh man, the art is great. Um, those, the adventures that I've read has been really fun. Um, and it has sort of that, that definitely that old school feel, which, you know, yeah, obviously I like. Uh, <laughs> I can't take credit for any of that. That is all, uh, Joseph Goodman and, and that, that side but i am certainly i am proud to be associated with uh, good games he's a good man <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> see they stay for the puns i'm telling you they, they come for the sword and sorcery but stay for the puns yeah <laughs> yeah i uh and it and it it feels authentic too right and again i'm gonna hazard another well, no i'm not gonna say this but uh <laughs> i feel like sword and sorcery and art are uh are very linked and so whenever you pair it with with art in a in a magazine like that i don't know i just it makes it extra special in my opinion i feel like that's not the first time you've hazarded that assertion yeah oh definitely yeah. not when listen yeah. my memory's short so <laughs> i'm sure i come up with these revelations that i've already had three episodes ago so don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> so uh Howard, I'm going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions because these are always fun. Um, first question is, what is your favorite Howard, Robert E. Howard, Conan story? You know, it's a tough one. I usually have to say Tower of the Elephant, although mm-hmm. Howard the Dragon is, is so good. Because it's longer, I find myself revisiting Tower of the Elephant more often because it's shorter than Tower of the Dragon. Sure. Tower of the Dragon is, is, is glorious. So, Tower of the There you go. Okay, I'll accept that answer. I, I also feel a little bit like uh, Hour of the Dragon is a bit of like a Howard's greatest hits, you know, like his Conan greatest hits. There's certain scenes in there that are cannibalized yeah. over and over, so you get so much good out of that one too. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think anyone's ever going to argue uh, Tower of the Elephant is, is, a, is a wrong answer. Okay, so next question, since we're. Uh, uh, a sword and sorcery podcast that kind of goes on the fringes of things. What is your favorite Conan pastiche story? Could be novel, could be comic, could be movie, could be whatever. I'd have to see, say Conan in the Living Plague, but since very few people have gotten to read that, 
I'll have to say Conan in the Emerald Lotus. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. I, I have actually not had the opportunity to read Emerald Lotus because it is it's very expensive. expensive and kind of rare. Um, that, yeah, last uh, I checked on Amazon, it's kind of hard. To, yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. it's my favorite. The uh, favorite of them. Now, there's some others that are quite fine. Uh, some that are, uh, you know, just like a hair below. Uh, I'm really impressed with uh, Scott Odin's uh, stories, mm. uh, and I like some of the other novelists quite well. Um, but novel length, I'll have to say that I, I, uh, I like Hawking's novel length better than any of the other novel length things. Yeah, so the Living Plague. I feel like we're we're all going to get it someday. I know it's like sort of in the can and waiting. Um, so I look forward to that. Yeah, I really liked uh, uh, Emerald Lotus as well. Okay, final um, rapid fire question: What is your favorite sword and sorcery story? Well, I can't. I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, name a day, it would be a different one. I mean, there's so many. So you got your old authors, you got your new authors, you got uh, new authors, you got like John Hawking and James A. and Clint Warren and Nathan Long and Violet Milan and Chris Wilrich and John Fultz and Sarah Newton. I, I could go on and on. All, so you got all these people creating wonderful new things. And then you've got stuff like, uh, oh, uh, Liber and Howard and Moorcock and Moore and. Uh, you've got uh, adjacent stuff like Brackett, who's another one of my all-time favorites. And then you've got mm. uh, uh, just a just a saber's length away. You've got uh, Harold Lamb's stuff. Uh, yeah, don't ask me to pick a favorite sword and sorcery. Too much. You're, like, you're asking fair. a guy who basically has to read them for a living. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I basically just asked him, "Oh, Howard, what's your favorite song of all time?" Like, no one can answer. That. I don't know. Maybe you can't answer that question. People have asked me that, and I'm like, I can't answer a single song. I don't know. <laughs> Gigantic. You have to really narrow it down. If you ask my favorite, my favorite uh, rock pop, I'd have to say like, "No matter what," by Badfinger. It, you know, there's nothing heavy about the lyrics, but the arrangement and the instrumentation and the melody is just so perfect. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe if you were to say, "What what is uh, Robert e. Howard's best historical?" I'd say "Lion of Tiberius." But okay. you know, uh, Thursday maybe I'd change it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do Do you have a a favorite sword and sorcery character? Favorite sword and sorcery character. Well, strict sword and sorcery, I'd have to say Conan. Um, sure. I love Ossack. Uh, Harold Lamb's, uh, that guy's awesome. I've never seen anyone quite like him, but that's not quite sword and sorcery. Um, yeah. So straight up sword and sorcery, Conan, hands down. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's the honest answer I'd have to give too, even though I, you know. There's a lot of reasons I like other characters, and I kind of want to be edgy and say something like Bran McMorn, but it's just not the truth. It's <laughs> like maybe half step removed. I consider Chronicles of Amber sword and sorcery, but it's not like maybe pure sword and sorcery. I love mm. Corwin of Amber. He's one of my all-time favorite characters. That guy is so awesome. He's unreliable. You don't know if he's actually telling you the truth. The deeper you get into the Chronicles, it's like, you know, he might have been feeding me a line here. Yeah. But uh, he's just, 
he's not really that nice a guy, but you end up rooting for him anyway. Uh, just a great creation. Oh my gosh, that sounds like we're getting close to Grimdark, Logan. <laughs> not for me. Not for me. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going officially with that. Mine is is Solomon Kane. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put my neck out there with that. I, I especially yeah, the, the more that I I reread and kind of get entrenched in my theory that he's a crazy person. Uh, the more, the more I like, like he's just, such, he's just like he just views the world in this like beam that nobody else can possibly see. That, and I just, I just get wrapped up in it. I yeah. absolutely love that idea, and I don't know that yeah. it was ever intended either. It's just something I've kind of added in my own head about uh, Solomon Kane. Since you mentioned that to me, I I like him more if I think of him through that I, I can't you know, not I, and I and it's not yeah it's never said or anything it's just when you think about his actions they're the actions of a crazy person not of yeah, some he's, adventure he's so he is so monomaniacal yeah. that um, yeah. I feel like there's an argument I'll leave it at that yeah Howard right. right now is like hmm no <laughs> but I will not destroy them <laughs> <laughs> I have many reasons why he is totally sane. Uh, <laughs> so a couple more things uh, before we let you get on with your farming. I mean, sorry, your your animals. Uh... <laughs> Can you elaborate on this? I, I We're not. No. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm yeah. in the loop here. So I, I have I have a small used to be a horse farm. And by horse farm, it sounds like I raised horses. But no, we just own some horses. Um, but the horses are no longer with us. Uh, one died of cancer recently, and then uh, basically we weren't really riding them anymore, so I was just mucking the stalls day after sure. day. After. Sure. So we found the horses uh, some good new homes. So what we have now are some barn cats, uh, some chickens, and uh, a couple of ducks. And, of course, two little Glen shepherds and a monster from beyond time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a significant menagerie, I yep. think. No, that is. That yeah. is. That is. I mean, perhaps not, you know, we won't say it, it's a farm, but uh, it's certainly a cooler gaggle of animals than, than I have. Yeah. You know, I wish I had barn cats because then they could go poop in the barn and not scooping <laughs> a thousand times a day here. <laughs> what was uh, me? Uh, so, Howard, I just wanted to ask you this one because i think you and i are actually in the same book here from uh i want to put a plug in for jason waltz's um robert e howard robert changed my e. life howard. book which to me i'm i'm really excited to to read all of these entries because it's it's an interesting it, it's an interesting topic for a book um i i don't recall what um which character or, or angle did you take with, with yours? Well, I, uh, I won't tell you which story it is, but I chose a historical. Uh, mm -hmm. It's another favorite. And I don't think it's necessarily uh, the best written of the historicals, but it's just so much fun. And mm. I read that, and immediately on reading that, um, I wanted to write something. Robert E. Howard is one of those writers who does that. It inspires you. He inspires you to want to write. But immediately after setting that down, uh, I could hear the voice of a scene from De Beer and Scene. Mm. And so 
that is really part of the genesis of the Baron Seed. And that's how uh, Leading Ramity Howard changed my life. Between all the Harold Lamb stuff I read previously and then uh, reading the Howard historicals, it sort of primed me. And then I, I created those characters and uh, eventually got my first book deal by writing about them. So, yeah, and those, awesome. uh, yeah, Logan and I have talked uh, on a few occasions about uh, Desert of Souls. And, uh, oh, yeah, I yeah. love that book. I love it. I got I got the bones of the old ones too. They're like prime center space on my uh, my bookshelf. Some of my favorite of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he was super excited when I told him. Uh, yeah, I met Howard at Gen Con. He's like, yeah, oh man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just bugging Logan right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> has anyone ever has anyone ever mentioned yeah. that those? Uh, uh, those stories are sort of almost like a wholesome sword and sorcery. Like you could read those to anybody. And like, I feel like I could read them to my middle school students and I wouldn't yeah. get any emails, you know, <laughs> that's, it's a good, that's a good thing to have. I, I think there's certainly few, you know, Conan stories. Yeah, I would be reading that out there. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I felt like the relationships between the characters were so real like something I hadn't experienced before in a fantasy novel, because like I don't actually read a whole lot of fantasy outside the short sword and sorcery realm, um, especially like long form. Um, and like I don't want to give any spoilers to anybody who hasn't, because you need to look at these books. Um, but uh, there's like a very heartbreaking part in in uh, in the end of of the first one, and it and like that's just what it was. And I was like, wow. You know that's actually pretty realistic. Um, mm. So maybe if someone else has you know read that or is going to read that, hit us up on the Facebook because I will talk for days about this. Okay. <laughs> well, put something. <laughs> yeah, put something out there that isn't Red Sonia casting, please. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> new topic. New topic. Uh, okay, uh, Howard. This is my uh, final question for you, and it is. Uh, Peering into your crystal ball or uh, magician's skull, tell us uh, what you see for the future of sword and sorcery. Will it remain niche? Will it expand? Will Tales from the Magician's Skull take over the entire publishing world? What do you see for sword and sorcery in the future? Well, I think the skull's plans are to dominate all. So probably that latter. Uh, Good. Uh, he is he is not to be denied. But, you know, the weird thing is about the term sword sorcery has been co-opted now. So many people bandy it about, and they don't really seem to know what it means. They're using it just to mean any kind of fantasy that appears on film. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we kind of have that issue. But that aside, there seems to be far more interest in heroic... Um, heroic fantasy stuff now, maybe than ever before. And 20 years ago when I was first beginning to get involved, well, no, when my stories first began to be published, there were fewer markets even than there are now. And it almost seemed to me like something magical is beginning to happen here. Uh, and I hope that we are seeing more and more of readers coming out and reading it, and that's going to mean that uh, more and more people are going to be enjoying it 
and sustaining it and creating more of it and more and more people will find their way to it. That that's that's my hope. Whether or not that's what's going to happen, I don't know. Um, we are constantly trying to draw new readers to the skull, of course. Issue six is going to feature the first new authorized Lankmar story in a generation. Right, right. Uh, so we're hoping to draw some people in that way, not just because it's a, a story far from the Great Master, but because it's a really good story. Starring Alex Fox. loves those characters. Yeah, those are his favorite. You got my money. Nathan Long has uh, done a lovely job. Excellent. And he's working on more. Oh, wow. That's Did fantastic. you say working on more? He's working on more. We hope to have him come up with more stories. Not right. every issue, but uh, sure. it'll be a regular recurring feature. So that's rad. Is that an exclusive you guys managed to nab there, or is it, you know, they, they could go elsewhere? I'm pretty sure that's an exclusive. That is nice. cool. Worked it out. Yeah. I don't know that we signed an exclusive agreement, but I don't know that they're in, in a conversation with anyone else. Mm-hmm. That is really yeah, that, cool. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. That's a that's a good get, as they yep. say. Yep. And I, I feel like those two characters, like that, would make a hell of a television. They, they show need too. so much more yeah. play. So much you know? more play. Yep. Unsung and as far as total mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Like the people who get it get it. But um also I wanna say too, I know Scott Odin is gonna be nodding along and listening to that where you you bring up the important point that sword and sorcery has been co opted, right? It's like, oh there's swords and there's oh, sorcery, yeah. so that's what this is. And <laughs> you're right. That 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 actually that is a thing that um you know, I don't know if it's a huge deal, but it is something to consider because if you want well, this what, to stand what does out, it mean? yeah. What, what does yeah. it mean? You know, this generic thing that means fantasy. And I notice this with the submissions. I'll get a lot of stuff. It's clearly gaming fiction, where yeah. it, it 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 reads like something uh, from generic fantasy land. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Speaking as a guy who's written some Pathfinder fiction, but hmm. uh, straight up story and sorcery is different from that. It, it shouldn't have like generic dwarf, generic elf going on an adventure together to find a ring. Um, a lot of people don't understand the difference. And so I, if I wanted to open a rival magazine called uh, Tales from Your Game Table, I could have done that because I had so many submissions that looked like that. <laughs> if I wanted to open one called uh, uh, Stories Starring Your Cat in a Fantasy Land, I could have... Whoever submitted those clearly wasn't reading the guidelines. Sure. <laughs> is it is I, it um, uncouth to ask about some of the funniest submissions that you've seen? Uh, sometime, um, sometime we can meet for drinks. Okay, but, right. uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. the, the, term, the term gets uh, gets muddied, and of course, Leiber created the term to differentiate what he and Howard had done uh, from Tolkien in the high school. And yet, you see movie reviews and they refer to the like the Lord of the Rings movie as or, a sword and sorcery yeah. movie. And of course, Aragorn could be considered a sword and sorcery character, but the Lord of the Rings really isn't a sword and sorcery. Mm. Although the pacing, the differences in pacing on the page. Uh, the way they feel on the page is very different from the way like, the pacing of the movie feels. You don't get that uh, slow sort of taking in the landscape feel with an occasional battle, Yep. right? 
Yeah, um, yeah. It's more confusing on screen than it is on the page. Do, do you think mm. that there's any merit to the definition changing of sword and sorcery? I mean, things do change over time. Things do change, and you can't keep thing. You can't keep the borderlines. The borderlines are going to shift. Some stuff's going to bleed over, but I think we need to sort of understand what it is or what it has been, as well as look forward to seeing it invigorated. Because you can't, you don't want, you don't want it to be a museum piece. Mm-hmm. You don't want mm-hmm. people to just say, "Okay, right. the right grocery has to have only these elements." Uh, to write a detective story, you can only set it in Victorian London. Uh, and it has to have a really smart guy and a credulous doctor. That's the only kind of detective stories you can possibly write. You know, you don't want uh, every sword and sorcery story to be either just like Lockmar or just like Conan. Right. You know, the, no. So by no by no means should you uh, keep it uh, the borders exactly the same and the definition exactly the same. On the other hand, you shouldn't let the borders become so tenuous that anything counts because then what what's the point? How do you know? Sure. Yeah, totally. I, uh, being in the board game industry, one example I see of that exact thing of, of it just, you know, becoming a dead, uh, term is there's a board game called sword and sorcery. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so I checked this thing out cause it's like, Oh, it's a it's co-op dungeon crawler. <laughs> Dude. It's so far from like immediately it's giant, crazy shoulder pad armor and just, I'm pretty sure there's orcs or whatever else. It's like, yeah. yeah. Again, there's nothing wrong with those things, but like your call, you you took the time to commission art, thousands of dollars of it. This is a million dollar project, and you slapped sword and sorcery on it. What were you thinking? You weren't, or you were. You did it in ignorance. Probably gonna get in trouble now because I'm blasting yeah. another company. I actually hear the game is great, but I it do is, take issue with that being a title. It is supposed to be a very good game. I do agree with you because I've seen a bit of it as well. Um, it's a catchy well, name. That, what can you say? Right? That the term it's a catchy name. Because people think that uh, Dungeons and Dragons is sort of sorcery. Mm-hmm. And the more people that uh, play games and, uh, and and see that, they the term, we may lose the term. I mean, maybe, maybe it's going to be heroic fiction going forward. Right, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Huh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, heroic fiction is obviously, you know, an adjacent genre too, but I mean, it's an umbrella term, you know, heroic fiction could refer to sword and sorcery as well as swashbuckling historicals and, and, uh, heroic fiction, I suppose could refer to the planetary adventures of, uh, Lee Brackett's characters as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, sword and sorcery is, is more specific, but if we lose it, we may have to come up with something else. Mm -hmm. And I know. Uh, Carl Edward Wagner had a term that he preferred. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, maybe he preferred heroic fiction. I, I don't recall off the top of my head. It's been too long since I read those essays. Mm. I think it's uh, interesting. You you kind of mentioned Aragorn being potentially a sword and sorcery character because we've teased that as well with uh, some of the Game of Thrones ideas, right? It's not yeah, sword and sorcery, yeah. but it has it draws elements. There are characters you can make a, an argument towards. So, I mean, you know, maybe in the end it's really just all a big fantasy salad. <laughs> yeah. It can all be a big, big muddle. And, and some of the differences are, are much more obvious when you're reading them on the page. Mm-hmm. Right? If you yeah. read The Hour of the Dragon and you read Game of Thrones, there is a world of difference. Yep. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? 
if you read Hour of the Dragons and The Hobbit, there's a world of difference. But if you put them on the screen, there's not nearly as much difference. It's, uh, that's a it's good point. Sure, sure. Style and tone and focus on the character and point of view, then they're very different. Nope, I, yeah, I, think, I agree, yeah. Good point. Yeah, I feel like I need to marinate on that point for a minute. That was that was kind of profound for me. <laughs> well, it, it's true though, because I mean, I think we we've we've even talked about this, right? The tone is just so so different. It's a lot. In most cases, it's more punchy. I, I'll use the term punchy. Like I think yeah. Liber is very, very fairly punchy. I think Howard's fairly punchy. Then you read something like Lord of the Rings, right? And it's verbose and as you said, drawn well, out. From- from two different traditions, right? Absolutely, the, uh, yeah. It's from sort of the European novel tradition, mm-hmm. where it's slow and stately and goes at its own pace, and it's almost like a travel log. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other from the magazine tradition, where uh, if you picked it up at the newsstand uh, and were reading it to see if you wanted to pick it up, it had to snag you by the first paragraph. It's your pulse. Pow. Yep. Your pulse. Right. Yep. Right. Propulsive momentum with a hook. And that's part of what I love. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. all I love about it, but I love that. Yeah. Not that I don't love Lord of the Rings, but I'm not one of those guys who's read it a million times. Mm-hmm. I like I like the the power of this forward momentum that gets your attention and, and grabs you and paints the picture quickly and succinctly. That's that's also a hard boiled character. I was just going to say that. Hence your detective stories, right? And yeah, your your yeah. your baseline adventure stories, right? Right. This is the stuff I love, and these are some of the reasons I love it. And that doesn't. When you put it on the screen, you can't see the difference. But when you read it on the page, it, it's there. It's almost like you, you read Howard, and it's like reading cinema. Uh, in in yeah. a page, he could do so many amazing things that would take millions of dollars to write. He just he was just typing on his own. Yeah. Um. There's the power. Yeah, and and I would say too with your um, your submission um, notes for. Tales from the Magician's Skull do a really good job of expressing what you guys want to see. Yeah, the idea sure. of that of that forward momentum, like it's it's crystal clear. Which you know, kind of shot. Well, that no, doesn't shock me, but you know why people are submitting more generic fantasy or or other forms of it. Um, but for me, when I read over those, uh, it, it's it was very clear what what you guys would be looking for. Which is important because not all subs do that, right? They will yeah. um, sometimes. It's I, I read it and I'm like, I don't actually know what you want, but so yeah. so kudos to making that crystal clear. Agreed. Well, I tried to write it as carefully as possible, yeah. and I think what happened is that uh, after the first week or so, it got put up on various writers' boards as here's a mm. place where you can see it without yeah. linking to the actual sure. guidelines page. I started getting stuff. Just it wasn't like when I was working at Blackgate when I once got uh, someone sent me like a what was it, it was a, a gangster novel uh, or reams and reams of, of poetry that wasn't even fantasy poetry just anything but if you've got a market open long enough you just get anything people just yeah like, well I'm gonna stun my stuff out someone will realize I'm a genius and, <laughs> and uh, it's fun you know? yeah that, that I mean I can't imagine reading a slush pile, to be honest. Like, uh, that is not my game. Um, and kudos to those who do. But to be getting... What's that? I could not have done it alone. 
no, no, exactly. My loyal interns, and you know, I sent flowers to those who didn't make it. Uh, the, the relative. <laughs> yeah, you're you're like Frazetta's Conan standing atop a, a pile of of dead interns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been good. Yeah, this is like great. yeah. Yeah, that that was uh, some 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 great conversation there, uh, Alex. You got to take us out. I I don't know how to do an. Well, outro. before we go, I want to give Howard uh, a, another opportunity just to to plug his uh, most recent stuff. Um, let folks know where it's most easy for them to purchase your your material. Well, sure. I guess I'll plug the most recent first, and that's the uh, the Ringstorm trilogy. And that uh, if you love uh, Rogers Elasny and uh, Chronicles of Amber in particular. Or Four Musketeers, it's it's uh, all sorts of swashbuckling intrigue where the mystery gets deeper and deeper the the longer you go into it. And uh, I try to I try to have a really fast pace. It's a modern it's a modern novel, so I disguised it as epic fantasy, but it is at its beating heart of the sword and sorcery. Hmm. The publisher markets it as uh, epic fantasy, but I tricked him. It's actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's. That's your answer to the future of sword and sorcery, right there. You got to trick them. Yeah, well, I hate, I hate big padded fantasy novels where you know nothing happens until the end. Yeah. So it starts with a mystery, and then once that mystery gets rolling, pow! I don't think there's any points where I slow down and describe what the entire suite of furniture looks like, and then people stand around yakking. No, it it, it moves, and there's problems and. I like that fast pacing. I'm just impatient. I don't want to read the padded, big, fat fantasy. I sure as heck don't want to yeah. write it. Mm-hmm. So that's the Ringstone trilogy. The first two books are out. The third one's on its way. And then if you like my older stuff, uh, there's uh, the Beer and a Scene. Um, uh, first one's Desert Souls. Second one's Bones, the Old Ones. And there's an e-book of uh, short stories that are collected. Uh, and I have uh, I continue to write new short stories in my... Uh, wife and kids continue to beg me to write a third De Beer and Steam novel. And and I may just go ahead and do it Listen even if I can't public before. Uh, so yeah, uh, all those are available pretty easily through Amazon. Just look up Howard Andrew Jones or through uh, Barnes & Noble, of course, carries them. It may not have it at your store, but you can order it if you want to order that way. Uh, they're Kindle, uh, hardback, paperback, whatever else you want. And Pathfinder books are the same way. I actually read those, and they're quite good. I'm not huge into the the high fantasy, but I played Pathfinder, and I was curious how you played with it, um, having come from your other novels, and they were very good. So I would suggest those two. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. I play when I when I GM. I run low fantasy, um, so mm-hmm. healing isn't real easy, and like that. And of course, uh, people who play Pathfinder were sort of shocked that uh, it's like, well, you know, in, in book one and book two, how come you didn't have any? Uh, how come there weren't any healers or clerics along? Well, I, I, I discourage that because, you know, then there's no... Because it's lame. Threat of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Conflict like, extinguishers is what they are. Yeah, exactly. They ruin your conflict. <laughs> and so in the, uh, this is a spoiler, in the second series, I have the healer go along with them. And, and then I make sure the healer gets off pretty quick. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what yeah, is- I think I'm proudest of those final two, the ones set down in the tropics. I got uh, I got yeah. a lot more free reign to do some weird stuff with those. I almost completely avoided mention of elves or dwarves and just created sort of this tropical 
swashbuckling uh, pirate adventure thing. I love it. What's your gaming system of choice for when you do? Oh, we've used so many different ones over the years. For a while there, we were using uh, Castles and Crusades. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I prefer the, I prefer a system that'll get out of the out of the friggin' way. Now I uh, I love the Pathfinder people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do, but I'm not a I'm not a rules heavy guy. I hate having to constantly flip. And I found as I got uh, I ran Pathfinder for a while. I found as my characters got up to uh, middle and high levels, I felt like every time I was prepping for a, an adventure, I felt like I was studying for a goddamn exam. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I want it to be about the story and the characters. So the simpler the system, the better. So we were using castles and crusades. Now I've gone and I've uh, started using, um, oh my God, what's it called? Uh, give me just a second. Sure. Yeah, you got it. He's, gonna go. he's, he's, going, he's going to get it. I love it. He's, he's got to go get it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. It's. Uh, wall, I've been using Beyond the Wall. Oh, I know Beyond the Wall. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Beyond the Wall. Yeah. And other adventures. Yeah. Now, of course, it's more weird for YA, uh, and so I've tweaked it a bit, and they've got a new version called Through Sunken Lands that mm-hmm. is for sword and sorcery. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Oh. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. You, should, you should check that out because it's the same system, but you create sword and sorcery characters with it. Super and I'm cool. really interested in uh, Kevin Crawford's uh, uh, Worlds Without Number. I've I've ordered it. I was part of the Kickstarter. I haven't, uh, let's see, I haven't bothered reading through the immense PDF yet except to sort of scan it. Uh, but he writes just wonderful uh, world generation yep. and uh, plot generation and cultural generation ideas. It's just, uh, just fabulous GM tools, even if you don't want to mm. leave your usual game. How do you, um, th- does GMing and authorship go hand in hand for you like or do they or is there a divide in your mind well they're related skills because you're practicing storytelling you're generating a story you're you're playing you're creating characters so uh i used to i guess it's been a while now but i would uh i would run some ideas for instance not the plot of the desert of souls but one of the villains plans was similar to what was i took that from an idea i ran around it sure uh, to some extent right you have to be willing when you gm to let your great ideas get trampled and trod upon by the uh, the drooling masses of of gamers that <laughs> you know do whatever they feel they need to do to it well they're yeah. related they're definitely related skills and i think uh, um, my writing's gotten better because of Storytelling. I think my storytelling is better because I'm constantly thinking about uh, <laughs> stories. Right. Yeah. Huh. What do you? I th- oh, sorry. I, Go ahead. Well, Matt. I was just going to say I think too that um, RPGs can help you stress test a story, right? To see what care what actual human beings will do when presented with a scenario. Obviously, you can get ideas from it. That's a good point. Um, yeah. But yeah, it can help you see certain holes where like a character's like, yeah. "Well, I do this," and you're like, "Oh yeah. shoot." And if there's one story, I, so I was running a Solomon Kane campaign, Savage Worlds. I ran that for a couple of years. Nice, yeah. I played that. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, my characters responded really well to one of the adventures. And like, okay, they love that one a lot. You know, one of those where you describe a moment and 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 you get the horror feeling just right, so that they actually like lurch a little bit when you reveal a moment. And they were so into mm-hmm. it, like, okay. 
I'll turn that one into a short story. Not in Solomon's Cain's time, right? right? right. But uh, and so the, the moments, the scenes, some villain, uh, some villain scheme, you test it out and it gets a good reaction, and, and then you do it. Not that I use that all the time. A lot of the stuff has never appeared anywhere. A lot mm. of the stuff has never appeared on the game table. But um, yeah, they, they feed each other. Do you uh, are you familiar with um, sort of tag based systems like uh, Fate? Do what do you think of those? I bounced off of fate. Uh, I think I think it is doing through my understanding. Keep in mind that I, I didn't really get it. That it's doing uh, through tags what my game group has been doing for years on its own. Anyway, I'll, I will say, okay, you've entered the room. It looks like this, this, and this. Uh, mm. This you know banquet hall. Uh, describe for me something that uh, is on the, on the plate, and they'll do that. You know, we all mm. want to create, and it, it feels like fate does that sort of artificially and i just couldn't wrap my head it's like well we're already doing that why do i need to get a new system to help me i can see that if you have a group that's kind of already like breathing life into things as well yeah i could i could see that yeah that's an that's an example of system getting in your way as you were saying because when you said moments ago that like you want the system to get the hell out of the way i you know i can't agree more F for me i i don't want to spend the whole time in the in the book i want something that feels intuitive mm -hmm. um and yeah, I, I love the shared storytelling piece too. So yeah, if something assigns charts and stats and cross references to things you already do, I mean, yeah, you you, you got to toss that because it, it will. It'll get in your way. That's why yeah. I'm like a one page RPG guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does your do the players uh, that you play with are they um, actors? Not like literally but in in terms of how they present in the game are they uh yeah, we speak they speak through their character's voice yeah um, speak their character's voice that's that's how we've been doing it for years and i didn't realize that other people did it some don't different some don't yeah yeah some just say my character does this my character does that and some just want like a big uh, tactical uh fight session exactly there's yeah. many different kinds right yeah now i actually love uh tactical board gaming um Mm. That that's a topic for another day. But yeah. when I'm running for the group, I want it to be about the story, mm -hmm. and I don't want the combat to go on too long. Mm -hmm. And so, sure. um, the big D and D or Pathfinder blast where the characters all have 100 points, the monsters got uh, 800 points. I'm bored to tears. I agree. Yeah, I want to have a nice uh, Conan fight. You know, there, there's yep. It's not going to take too long to get through it, and then and then it reveals something about the plot and the character and the, and the thing. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not saying that I run stories that are uh, on wheels. Uh, my characters have all kinds of uh, uh, ability to change the way the plot's going to run. But uh, I said wheels, I meant rails. Rails. I, I knew what you yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's you, you know you want that that sort of action sequence where it's like an eight on one. Or eight on two, but it's over in thirty seconds. You know, <laughs> right? And and then if there is going to be some climactic battle, then it has to mean something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the same thing happens in in writing. I read so many action sequences. People will start with a really long action sequence, and if I don't care about the characters, why do I care about your very long action sequence? It has to mean something to the readers, to the characters in the scene, and it has to mean something at the game table to the players. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we're gonna and we're going to have a big action scene. If your group is into that, that's fine. I'm fortunate enough to have players who 
feel the same way I do about story. They want the story. They want to uh, invest in the story and create more story and do this and do that and find secrets. And yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where now that we've spent enough time uh, describing different ways that we splice the monster in half. You know, we're, we're kind of right. trying to do different you're uh, very fortunate to have those types of players around you and to have that, that group that you fostered for so long. That's so cool. Yeah, this, this echoes a lot of the same conversations we've had about uh, you know our sort of ethos and approach to role-playing games. Um, something you said there just made me think. I, I read an article not too long ago about the folly of certain modern action films where they have your main character at the beginning kicking all kinds of ass right in the opening scene to prove that they're an action guy but it's like at that point you don't care about them because you're just some dude you've not proved i've not learned to like you as a character i know that you can now uh beat people up but i don't know where's the drama there right what kind of conflict do you have you got a guy who's all powerful wrecking everyone and i haven't had a reason to care about him so i don't know yeah. yeah it's it's uh yeah so i uh, i mean rpgs i i feel like it's amazing that we all kind of have this uh same sort of vibe and what we're looking for and that we all like sword and sorcery i feel like i was mentioning something about that earlier see i'm prescient <laughs> i knew Howard, before before we let you go, I, I feel like I cut you off while you hit the RPG note. I wanted to uh, let you get back to plugging anything else that you didn't quite get to, and again, just uh, any websites or anything that you wanna you wanna offer up to folks. Oh well, uh, please check out Tales from the Magician's Skull, which you can find either on Amazon or by going to uh, GoodmanGames.com or TalesFromTheMagician'sSkull.com. If you want to come see what I'm doing. Uh, uh, my website, I'm alive. My website only posts every now and then because I decided that I'd much rather be writing than blogging. Mm. Um, but it, it, you can see all my books there on my website at howardandrewjones.com. I have a Twitter page, but I've decided that I just don't really care about Twitter. So um, <laughs> I'll only post something there if I'm going to have an imminent release. I am on Facebook, though, because there's so many cool, not that I'm a huge Facebook fan, but there's some cool sort of social groups on Facebook. There's some cool old um, uh, paperback uh, books on Facebook, and I, I would hate to go somewhere else and lose those. Sure. So I'm still on Facebook, and I I check in there much more often than I do any of the other platforms. And I, yeah, I, I think if you just search for Howard Andrew Jones on Facebook, <laughs> find me. Maybe there's some others, but I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Excellent. Well, thank you very, very much for joining us. Yeah, it's it was been a, a pleasure. pleasure. It was uh, a blast, guys. I'm sure we could keep talking about more good stuff. I know. Well, we'll we'll have you on again. Uh, yeah. As long as you're as long as you're cool with that, and we'll we'll pick up we'll, we'll start the board game conversation uh, uh, at that one. Yeah. Matt Logan, anything you guys want to chime in with? Not I've kind of been like in awe the whole time, just kind of like <laughs> absorbing the things you said. Um, so it's also like 90 degrees in this room. We don't have air conditioning. So, you know, <laughs> New Mexico, but I'm, uh, I'm up in Canada on the East coast, Nova Scotia, where it's all icicles, even in May. <laughs> <That's>... 
it's not true it's beautiful here it's very nice uh no i yeah th thanks for thanks for coming on the show howard uh that was awesome and uh yeah if if you're willing to say you'd come back i mean we'll 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 find a we'll find a time for you don't worry about that sure, yeah. sure. I'd, I'd love to come back maybe uh maybe when issue six is out or uh maybe when the book launches or i could geek out about uh, different game systems or talk to you bore you to tears with uh, all my opinions on Harold Lamb and Lee Brackett. I was going to say, I would love to hear you talk about Harold Lamb because not a lot of people talk about Harold Lamb and more people need to talk about Harold Lamb. So. Yeah, they, they sure do. And I've been meaning to read this Robert E. Howard guy. Here, he's good. I could probably talk about him. <laughs> he, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> all right. Should I take us on out, guys? Take us on out. Take it out. All right. So thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you the next time when you climb the mountain of intern skulls uh, and plug your headphones in and, and give a listen to your old friends at Rogues in the House. And as always, may your swords always remain sharp. Rad.